What's up, everybody, and welcome to um, another session with Throat Punch Monday. So this is uh, an opener for season three, um, and we're actually doing a special today recording because Vanessa Gillian's documentary came out. Um, so this um, we're going to be talking about some hard subjects, so could be trigger warning. Um, and I, I just wanted to warn our audience about that. I'm 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 Pacific Tita, your host, otherwise known as Len with VTT Veteran Trash Talk. And I'm joined with is it Elena or Elena? Elena. Elena and Miss Linda. So they're also our part of our VTT community. And I'm so happy that you guys can join us today. Um, so I think that today was um, a big deal because. It's been a long time coming from what happened with Vanessa Guillen. I think it happened in 2020 during the pandemic, right? And then um, from like start to finish, it was just, there was so many holes uh, and a lot of letdown during that case, a lot of letdown. And um Fortunately, her family didn't stop fighting. And we're joined here with um, Elisa. Hi, Elisa. Hi. So <laughs> you didn't miss much. We just we just started. And um and to the point where they they found her and then um the legislation and just trying to get justice, right? So how many of you guys watched it today? Okay. And I know Elisa just got home from work because she's on West Coast time. <laughs> I um, really want to watch it. I've been, I definitely do. I just recently seen about it. So I'm definitely going to. Yeah. yeah. It actually just aired today. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I kind of just want to get your, you guys' thoughts and feelings initially. Um, it is a tough subject. It hit all of us especially uh, women in the military, pretty hard. And it kind of resonated with us, right? With the whole I am Vanessa Gillen movement. Um, I know for me, I was extremely upset. It brought up a lot of emotions. Um, it was also triggering and I couldn't help but like tear throughout that documentary. Not, um, not because I knew her, but because I know we know the situation because we know what it's like to go through that, right? To, to, for, for your chain of command or for people to act like uh, whatever happened didn't really happen or for you to have to fight for your voice to be heard. Like I'm here, I'm in uniform, I'm doing the same freaking job as everybody else. Why is it if I speak up, oh, she's just, she's just a female, like it's nothing, let's just sweep it under the rug, right? I mean, so how, how did you feel, um, about this situation. I'll just open up the floor. Whoever wants to go first can go. What I found difficult was when their higher up chain of command of Fort Hood, two months after they found out that she was missing, two months after saying that, oh, let's find Vanessa again. I'm mm -hmm. like, why didn't you say that when she first became missing? and why overall it was pretty effed up what Fort Hood and her chain of command didn't do 
to help her to help a soldier in their own community like why wouldn't you even it just it baffles my mind that nothing happens in the beginning and that the fact two months after her being missing that the two-star general oh we're we want Vanessa Yin to come home or whatever the case may be like that's a long time two months do you think that anything Mm -hmm. would have happened if um her family didn't speak up or the media didn't get involved I don't think anything would have she would have probably just been written off as being AWOL she just left and Mm -hmm. it would have been just that um there were a lot of red flags initially just because like you know they said when they went back they her keys were there her wallet was there all the stuff that she left behind um should have been initial red flags that she stepped away and probably planned on coming back and never came back right um it's just so extremely I'm just getting over it's so frustrating <laughs> right because if her family um turns out they hired like a private search party company who mm-hmm. specializes on missing people and um thankfully they did that and thankfully they got the media involved and they didn't stop protesting uh what's frustrating is is that they didn't mention it in the, in the documentary but they found a bunch of other unalived people Yes. In the search for her. Right. And so what is going on with is with Fort Hood, you know, like and and they're they're a trouble that is not it's not like they're the only base who has problems. Right. But they don't have a great reputation. They had like two mass shootings, several sexual assault, sexual harassment cases like it's like never ending. And I've seen some conspiracy stuff about that, too. Lisa, what are your thoughts about it? I was actually going to bring that up. So I was stationed, I was stationed kind of close to Fort Hood at Dias. So it's in Abilene, Texas. It's just a few hour drive. Uh, those two mass shootings happened during my active duty enlistment. So I was already pretty suspicious of Fort Hood for quite some time. And then this definitely, you know, just everything that happened with Vanessa made it that much worse. Um, and I remember, I, I remember making a post. I, I can't, word for word, I don't remember exactly what I said. I just remember getting so angry because there was some type of article where they tried to imply it had nothing to do with like sexual harassment, for example, or sexual assault. And they were trying to remove the, anyone in the unit from blame. And I thought I also saw something else about trying to put the blame on someone who is already dead. Um, (laughs) I'm not quoting anything word for word because I know so many things have come out with this story. I just remember seeing that very obvious attempt to sweep everything under the rug rug and like get everyone quiet over it. Um, It just didn't add up. And I've had concerns that there's something huge going on with the base, perhaps involvement in who knows like anywhere from middle to high ups involvement with illegal activities like why are why have there been so many people uh showing up like missing but then showing up dead right and i have those same questions too and unfortunately i've been seeing on social media i've saw on tiktok on twitter that this is still happening 
I don't know if you guys heard, but there is like a case in Germany where this woman was, she FaceTimed her family and she asked them, oh, can you record? Can you record? Because I want you, I want everyone to see that I am not in this, like I am not suicidal. I'm in distress. I need help. Blah, blah. I was assaulted. Um, I don't know if it was sexually or not, but she was being attacked. And um, she asked her channel command for help and nothing came of it. Her family also asked and she, she was stationed overseas in Germany. And a um, couple of weeks later, she was found unalived in her room and they ruled it a suicide or something like that. Oh, and I, then, that. I and, don't know the details mm-hmm. of that. And then they, um, and this is hearsay. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I, uh, it might, it was on, t- <laughs> I get a lot of stuff on TikTok. So I'm not saying that like it's a credible source, but there's a lot of so- service members on there that are posting and doing videos. And um, apparently there was an order like for the whole base to not talk about it. And this guy talked about it and then he was unalived. So, I mean, it's kind of weird. And and like I said, like it's it's haunting because, I mean, this is still happening, even though, you know, I mean, we can't control you know, there's going to be crazy people in the military. There's going to be in, in any um, place of job, right? But there's, military is a, a big condensed community and you're going to get those people still. Um, but why do you guys think that if you reach out for help to your chain of command, why do you think that people are not getting the help that they need? I think they want to sweep it under the rug because they don't want it to be a bothersome or like, oh, if this happens under my watch, then my credibility is shot. Um, I think that has a lot to do with people not wanting to report or backlashing and everything. But like, if a commander actually does what he or she needs to do and actually does the a good investigation, it could come a positive way if, it, if they find him or her or it could go a negative way. So regardless, if you're gonna sweep it under a rug, overall, it's gonna be a negative thing and it's gonna be a shot of like, oh, the army is pretty reckless and everything. Right. I think if a lot of people feel like they're going to feel ostracized because it's not something that you want to be proud of or just walk around with kind of like a scarlet letter, like, oh, this sure. happens to so-and-so, like, be careful because she'll report you or, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, you you just feel that way sometimes or you don't feel safe because that command didn't create that culture where you felt safe enough to tell anybody. And um, unfortunately it still happens, but I mean, we, we did see that the family did push for les- legislation, right? And so yeah. that the I am Vanessa Gillen Act passed. Um, unfortunately it didn't pass the first time, but I'm glad that they passed it, you know? And that's also pretty emotional. Right. Um, so they made the uh, 
they made sexual harassment an actual crime under the UCMJ. And it, Before and it, it wasn't. It, yeah. And it takes it away from your immediate chain of command. Right. Like, they don't get to decide. Mm -hmm. Or they can, um, they have 72 hours to get an outside investigation investigator mm -hmm. to come investigate and see if charges need to be brought. Yeah. Um, and, and I've been out for a while, so I, I haven't seen that in effect. I know that they just, uh, was that bill just signed this year in January 2022 or the uh, executive order. So I'm not sure how that is, but Elisa, you, you work on base, right? And are you still um, a mental health counselor there? And now I'm a behavioral health consultant oh, okay. for primary care clinic, um, but mm -hmm. definitely something I want to look into because these investigations shouldn't be done within the unit. There's mm -hmm. definitely too much bias. There's too much of a chance that both the victim and perpetrator are going to be known by the people around them and chances are favoritism is going to come into play so um i it's it's a good thing to bring up i now i have a question that i want to ask my supervisor tomorrow <laughs> about, about mm -hmm. the policy on uh, this space in 29. with well, uh, my incident in alaska there was um there was other females that got hurt before my assault and harassment by the same NCO. And hey, there can was, you tell us what, what years you served just so we could get like a uh, From 09 to 2020. Okay, so fairly recent. Yeah, I got out. I'm aborted out. Mm -hmm. um, so this was in between 2013 to... December 2014. So I was only in Alaska for a year and a half. Um, but there was other females that were being harassed and assaulted by this guy. And they didn't really come forward because this guy had a reputation of being the favorite NCO and everything like that. Um, it took me six months to report my incident. And if it weren't for one, I had a um, somebody who saw what um, a witness, and two, there was other females involved. So if it weren't for that, I don't think it wouldn't have gone anywhere because no one cared about it. Right. So the whole chain of command got fired and everything because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So you, uh, and I hope you don't mind me asking questions about your um, okay. personal situation. So you didn't report it until six months later of what happened to you and you got essayed, assaulted. Yeah. And um, did you report it to the local authorities or to military police or to your no. commander? Uh, well, I didn't necessarily report it to my chain of command. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know who the sharp representative was in my company because that was brand new at the time when it happened. Um, I had saw flyers in the barracks about the battalion sharp victim advocates. So I, w I went to them. I didn't go to my company level because I didn't know who it was, mm -hmm. which I think was a plus because I don't think they would have done anything. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you, but I'm glad that 
you're able to report it. Um, so what, what came of the perpetrator that was involved? Were they um, discharged? Were they prosecuted? Did they uh, it was prosecuted. The uh-huh. um, it was prosecuted. It was a, a long three days. Um, again, there was a lot of, I was put into a different unit because I was getting harassed by everyone in it and everyone about the my original unit in Alaska um and there was so many people that spoke for him and I'm like I don't I like coming right. from my first unit at Fort Benning where there wasn't any harassment there wasn't any like negative female or sexual um verbal whatever slang words um and so it was like 180 degree difference. I'm like, what is going on? Like, how do you guys not see this guy being so inappropriate around females? Um, so, and- Cause they're turning a blind there. eye and they're like, oh, that's just how he is, blah, blah, blah. Right. right? And I was that's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the culture mm-hmm. of this unit. I'm like, well, regardless of the culture, it's wrong. Correct. So, but he got 15 months. He only did 10 months of good behavior, um, which means my victim impact statement had nothing to do with this full 15 months. I'm like, well, what was the point of a victim impact statement when he just yeah. gets it? So, yeah, I mean, 15 months, I feel like that's not enough time. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry that happened to you. And unfortunately, of people who have reported, it is one out of every four women in the military that get sexually assaulted. And that's sexually assault. And I'm not talking about harassment because you guys know that we experience that shit every day, <laughs> harassment. Like, it just, to the point where it was kind of like, okay, what are they going to say to me next? <laughs> you know, like, and I'm not saying like, oh, woe is me or anything. It's just like, it was just part of that culture, right? And I served from, just to give you guys like a point of view time frame, I served from 2003 to 2013. Um, Linda, what, what years did you serve? I actually served from 95 to 2003. Let's see. 2004, yeah. And how was the culture back in 95? that back then the culture was a lot different right mm-hmm. it was just you know shut you know just was it army about, go on about your business and you know um I was never sexually assaulted mm-hmm. um like Elena said the the bases were different um just different mentalities like my first duty station was Fort Bragg and mm-hmm. the guys in my unit were just so great they were super overprotective of me you know if if Linda was drunk um, someone was taking me to my room. They were locking my door. They were sliding my key under the door and leaving me in my room by myself. You know, um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. They were always, you know, where is she? Cause I like, used to like to wander off when I drank a lot. Yeah. But, um, I always had someone, you know, keeping an eye on me. They took care of, they, they took really good care of me. Um, I was at Fort Hood. That was my last duty station. Um, but I was only there for a little bit. And it was right around the time, uh, you know, units were first deploying to Iraq. So there wasn't too much going on on base mm-hmm. in general. So um, I didn't have any issues when I was at Fort Hood. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And that's what, like, that's why we have um, a whole panel of women. So we can talk about our different experiences just to show that obviously it's not everybody. 
but we do experience some form of harassment to an extent. And you could still work with your male counterpart and still be civilized, right? Um, and Elisa, how was your experience? I know you went to the desert. And tell us what years you served and what branch. Yes, uh, so 2008 to 2014, uh, active duty Air Force, 2014 to 2018 reservist. Um, and yeah, I had my uh, Afghanistan deployment in 2012. Um, th there was a, I would say probably early on within the first couple of years, there was definitely a sexual harassment situation going on in my work unit <laughs> i'm trying to be as vague as possible um and it how can i explain it this person it it seemed that they were fishing to see what they could get you know what i mean what they could get away with exactly mm -hmm. <laughs> and because when, they push, yeah absolutely when more uh girls started to come out it started to become apparent that this was something where he was fishing with every girl and seeing what he could ah, get okay person was frank mm -hmm. and then um but it it what it came down to was the person was uh pushed out early um and that that, that was about it and um, yeah, a lot of awkwardness with that. I luck, lucky for, uh, I also had a, a, a bit of a peeping Tom situation one time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. My door was really creepy and, you know, I'm, you know, I have not been assaulted, you know, luckily. Um, I mean, and what would we classify that though, as peeping Tom? Cause I would feel violated, right? It, we were on a ship. So I was in the Navy and like our walls are like as thin as metal. And you, there's like, you could literally poke like a hole or screw or something in there and like take it out and look. And, um, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Elisa, um, no. but there was a case a few years ago on a sub, I think, I forget what it was. And they, they first allowed women on a submarine and um, they had the peeping Tom and they were exchanging photos and, and the submarine is small in itself. There's probably like a hundred people on there, if that, and they only had two women, so. Um, so, I mean, what would, do you think a peeping Tom would be? Would that be S-A or S-H? Oh man, that's probably a gray area. I, I mean, I'll just yeah. say what, tell me what you guys think about it. Like I was, in, I was in my dorm room. I was getting changed 100% naked, but my curtains were 100% closed as were my, but I was changing in front of my mirror. All of a sudden this guy the only reason he knew me is because in passing, you know, two dorms down. So just in passing, hi, bye, hi, bye, whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden he's banging on my door, just banging and calling my name and banging on it. And I'm like, just a minute, just a minute. You know, I finally get to throw on a, some clothes and I open it and he says to me, I don't, you know, I, I just need to tell you that I saw you completely naked and you just got to be careful because, you know, there's people around here and, you know, I'm just standing there looking at him like, you mean like, like you like stared, looking through my, my I shut the door in his face, like long story short. And I blocked mm -hmm. him from Facebook because we had become Facebook friends. But again, like there was no dates, no advance, like no, no hints that I'd ever given. Then I tested 
what happened and you know I decided to test it I'm like let me see maybe maybe he was being nice and I walk by my window and I realized that for him to have seen me he would have had to have looked through a tiny centimeter about that small to be able to see my naked reflection so he's like you got to be careful tape your curtains <laughs> to the wall like <laughs> to each like, other like, like yeah. he would have it was like that tiny <laughs> yeah right have to have seen me through the reflection of the mirror it was no way someone just casually passing would have seen me naked no way yeah like he was intently watching well what i find interesting is that um vanessa gillian uh, in the documentary they said that um she was sexually harassed when she was in the field in the woods and mm-hmm. she was doing some personal hygiene. Yeah. And so they called it sexual harass while she was doing that. Like that's fucking gross, bro. Like, I don't know what they mean by personal hygiene. Like I can just only imagine, like I'm doing a bunch of personal hygiene in the woods. I'm in the field. Like, dude, let me shit in peace, pee in peace, change my pad in peace, something like what the people it's like, at some point, like I get it that we eat, breathe and live and shit all together. But if you're an opposite gender and I'm in the woods by myself, I would not want those advances or anyone coming up to me saying, hey, what's up? Or like harassing. Yeah, me. respect your privacy. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. So um, for so for with me. Um, I was essayed twice in the military and I only reported it once. The first time was, so you guys call it AIT school, right? For the army in the Navy, we call it a school. Okay. So I was in a school and this was in Virginia and um, I didn't report it because obviously it was a friend, right? It's someone I knew. And I was like, okay. Um, And it, it didn't, nothing happened. I woke up in the middle of, him trying to and so it stopped right but then I was still mortified um and then it happened again um when I was on my second ship with somebody who I deployed with already twice and who was a close friend and we were at a party and we're all drunk and I think I'm safe because I'm around friends right because Linda I normally hang out with people like what you said I was like the little sister and yeah there's there's my poor group of friends, right? They weren't in my unit. They were in a different, um, in a different division, I would say. So like I was in ops and my core group of friends is supply. When I go out on deployment, I hang out with them. Um, but this wasn't my core group of friends. This was my coworkers. So it was my coworkers and we were hanging out. And um, I actually called the local police. And it was actually um, a friend of mine that called, but so that's how everything got involved. And then we got back to the command and then everyone's whispering like, oh my God, look at her. She's lying. We did two deployments together. He's such a good dude. There's no way that he could do that. I'm like, how the fuck would you know what he did to me if you weren't there? Like, who are you to tell me? And then at one point, the chain of command was like, oh, she parties too much. That's why. Or she drank. Yeah. yeah they or she's too pretty. That's why. Victim blaming. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to blow my head up or anything, but that's exactly what happened. And so I was, I was really like, um, traumatized. So I didn't, I actually told the, the police, like I went through the whole rape kit and all of that. And I told them, I don't want to, I don't want to press charges. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to relive this because investigators came. They were just like relentless, like asking all these questions and they were running in all my friends in and my friends were getting overwhelmed. And I was like, I just don't want to do this. So I think the, um, the DA picked up the case and then they tried to um, transfer me off the ship and they tried to get rid of me. I'm like, what? I didn't do shit. Tom's the fucking victim here. Like, excuse me. Uh, fuck no. So I stood up for myself. I was like, no, you're not fucking transferring me. I don't want to go to whatever ship they were trying to send me to. I was like, nope. I'm like a star sailor. You know, I did what I had to do. I was like one of the number one, like, I guess what you guys would call NCOs. We were petty officers. So, but I was like one of the number ones, like, bro, no, that's not happening. So I honestly don't know what came of him. Cause I didn't follow any stories and I just blocked everything off. And at that time we were just out to sea a lot. And so I didn't really have social media, like how we do today. Right. So I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, so that's why a lot of the, the story of the, I am Vanessa Gillen also, it kind of, it really resonates with me. It really makes me sad. And I know that I'm not the only one and I'm, and I, and I'm happy that you're here, Elena, to tell us your story because it's so hard to come out and talk about it. Right. Like, like right now I'm like kind of sweating and my, my, my palms are, you got the, got the fan going. Yeah. you know, and I have this ring light here and I'm like, <laughs> but, um, I try to get and, and like I said, I, I asked earlier who wanted to come on and talk about, you know, the whole Vanessa Gillen thing, because it affects all of us. Right. It's it therapeutic talking about it. And there yeah. was more than more than you guys that said me, you know, I want to, but I understand that the other girls who don't want to talk about it because it's hard. Right. But yeah. that's why we're here is to show that we're resilient. We're strong. We're not victims we're actually taking control of our own situations. Right. I think with me, um, because I had two incidences, one I did not report because it was sexual abuse and it was with another coworker. And I was, he was older than me, but I was higher in rank. So I thought I was gonna get in trouble. So I didn't report it till the year that I got out, which was last year. Um, which was three years after the whole shit ended. Um, so it didn't go anywhere because there's no evidence and everything. Um, but between that and going inpatient back and forth, because it hit me hard with depression, PTSD and all that, um, and doing especially exposure therapy is harsh. So listening mm-hmm. to myself about going through the trauma, plus like when I was in Alaska, telling the CID, telling this person, telling that person, telling the um, uh, the prosecutors, like it was so ingrained in me. So 
it's not difficult for me. I will get red face because I'm blonde and everything. I will get red face <laughs> and blush, but uh-huh. like I don't get upset as much as I did when it first happened or when I first talked about my second one because I didn't talk about it for three years. Um, so I do um, during, because I live right next to Fort Lee. So I do um, speak at Sharp events because I want other people awesome. to know what they can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to go to straight to your chain of commands. You can go to battalion, you can go to brigade, you can go to division. Um, because when I first happened in Alaska, I was like, I don't know who to go to. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and knowing that I could go to battalion level without getting like yelled at and I did get yelled at but he got fired because he yelled at me um because he was Michael Schuster I was like why didn't you come to me blah 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 I'm like because one I didn't know you two you're an idiot like you're the worst (laughs) platoon sergeant ever like um and he didn't stop the harassment either when I came back to the unit after I made the report um but just to let soldiers know, especially junior enlisted, because I was junior enlisted at the time in Alaska, that you can, you don't have to go to your commander or your platoon sergeant or your sergeant, whatever the case may be, you can go up higher and they will t- take care of you. That's awesome that you do that. Now, is that what you do for a living now that you're out of the military? Um, no, I don't. I do it whenever I have time. Um, I'm currently in school for early childhood development, but um, I do um, still in contact with the Sharp team on Fort Lee um, that took care of me during when I reported my Fort Bragg incident. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and I go to their Sharp events and everything. And if they want me to talk, I'll talk. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Oh, and when it happened to me back in the early 2000s, I didn't know anything about anything about that. I, and I think in the military, they call it SARP, S-A-R-P. I know in the Air Force was like that, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't I don't know. Like, I only know the Navy and I'm, I'm learning about SHARP because I have a lot of um, Army friends. But actually, Lisa, you're in the Air Force. What do, what, what's the program called? Sark. Sark, okay. At least last I uh, remember, for sure. Because when I was in uh, Alaska, it was joint base um, with Army and Air Force. They call it um, Mm -hmm. SARB, or I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know what what it would have been when I was in. Well, I don't think or if there was anything that was, you know. Well, they just called it because I remember between when they just called, they had sexual assault harassment under EO in the mm-hmm. army. They didn't have it separate. And yeah. then when I went to Alaska, okay. that's when they're like, oh, this is when we're going to start the SHARP program for the army, um, sexual harassment, assault, response prevention uh, mm-hmm. program. 
but when I was at Fort Benning, my first duty station, it was just under EO. So it's a fairly new program. It's awesome. That's good to know the programs, um, especially that they the base near you has someone like you to reach out and talk to people. And that's mainly like why we do these podcasts or these sessions is um, it's number one is therapeutic. Number two, it's promoting, you know, mental health and getting the resources that you need. Um, but yeah. Um, do you guys think that because the incident happened during 2020 that um, COVID played a really big part? Do you think that uh, that's why they took too long to start the investigations or is it just a systematic failure? I think it's a systematic. I don't mm-hmm. think yeah. I think it was a little bit of both because mm-hmm. because they they weren't working on base, so it may have those red flags could have been triggered a lot faster mm-hmm. had it been the regular day to day. Oh, she's not here this morning. She didn't show up for PT or she didn't show up. Um, you know, um, the fact that they were just going on base saying, "Oh, he," you know, the guy that killed her said he was on there doing some training or something. Mm-hmm. I think they said he was initially being held already for breaking COVID protocols. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and why does investigations take five to six months just so you can corroborate the fact that she did get sexually harassed? Why does it take that fucking long? Well, it you know, took like, even longer than that because yeah, that it long, wasn't yeah. till what, 2021? When they were like, yes, there were, because of, of fir- at first they did a press release, like there, I saw this obviously on the document saying that there was no evidence of sexual harassment. And then I think it was like a year, a year and a half later that, yes, there was sexual harassment involved and also assault. I'm like, why did it take you a year, a year and a half to? finally do the investigation of saying that yes she was being harassed Mm -hmm. exactly instead of lying to us and saying that there is no evidence I talked to we talked to everybody in the unit and there was no evidence that he was harassing I was like well that's bs so yeah because chances are if he was doing it to one person she wasn't the first person Mm -hmm. right and she probably wouldn't have been the last had that incident not occurred right that's kind of what i want to see like a more in-depth documentary like of what happened to each person involved the command the higher chain of command because we know like eventually the people got fired right they did okay eventually I wasn't sure they did. okay yeah eventually like some of those people got fired or transferred or whatever um so i wanted to kind of see everything that you know went on like kind of like a true crime (laughs) documentary right right, that we're so used to seeing um but I like the fact that it was from the family's perspective so it gave us a different perspective of how the civilians had to fight through this military system which was a whole other you know ordeal and and um and now they're suing the DOD. Yep. It's pretty you know. big. I know. Good. <laughs> As they should. They should. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, do we have any final thoughts that we want to share or anything before we um, get off of this podcast? Well, a couple of you, you guys had kind of highlighted how bad you were treated, you know, post, post the assaults. And um, it, it's just one thing that I remember highlighting in my book at one point, PTSD is very easy to punish in the military. It is very, very, the symptoms, everything that comes out of it. Um, and when people aren't asking the right questions and instead just punishing the behavior versus looking at the root cause or you know refusing to see the root cause, that's a big part of the issue. Um, and that's also why one of my favorite things to do when I was working for the VA was helping uh, my clients with their MST claims. Um, because oftentimes they were not given fair trial or they could not come forward at all for a variety of reasons. And um, they, there was not a lot of evidence, even though it did happen. And I was always very happy to um, write a narrative for them and help them, you know, assist them as they created their statement because uh, it was, you know, rehashing a lot of difficult things. Um, so when they did get service connected to me that was a feat because I saw just how the DOD was failing people mm -hmm. in that that's why I was kind of glad that I was doing the med board side because they had the evidence there so I didn't have to fight the VA once I got out because they're like okay there you go the army said so and so so I don't have to fight for that on so, that aspect so are you like 100 PNT now, or yeah. I know yeah. it's none of my business, but <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> I know mean, I had what 32 claims, like 100 wow. PNT is not that difficult under my medical issues. So. Well, we're gonna have to talk about another episode with all our VA stuff and mm -hmm. see how we got to where we got, you know. <laughs> so, um, just mm -hmm. like a quick thing, like if anyone, because the last year I was at. Fort Lee, what a year and a half before I got med boarded or mm -hmm. during the med board process. Um, but if you need to get mental health help, do so. Like, don't hesitate to do that to help yourself. Um, I was in and out of hospitals left and right my last year, and um, a couple times my first year out. Um, but don't hesitate to ask for help when you need it, especially trauma-related issues too. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. I wish I did that. <laughs> but I got out long time. Well, I went to the VA shortly after I got out. So I did all of that within the first year. And so within the first year, it's considered right. part of active. So I didn't know that, but oh, I did it. I so. didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's considered still like re, re, military related because it's been within a year. Within so. a year, okay. Um, Linda, any final thoughts? Um, no, I just feel like, um, you know, we are a big community and I think we still do have um, a lot of women that are on active duty or in the reserve units and they just they just need to be aware of the programs that are out there. Mm -hmm. um, to help them or just to um, encourage them to speak out because you know, like like in my situation it was a field uh, training we were at NTC and I was the only female that went with my platoon mm -hmm. um, it was just I was I was felt up 
one night. I pretended like I was still asleep. The next morning I packed up my shit, walked around the mountain um, and set up my cot outside, outside underneath the camel net where the meal van was at the entrance of the field ASP. Um, and I slept out there by myself the whole time in the box because I, I wasn't going to sleep in the tent with the guys. Right. Um, and it was like, in your situation, it was somebody that I knew it was my fellow NCOs, right. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, um, going out and, um, getting drunk while we were in the box and then coming oh, back wow. drunk. Yeah. So in, in the end, they all ended up getting, um, sent back early and, um, the platoon sergeant was gone when I, by the time we got back to Colorado, cause we went from, you know, Colorado to California. Um, don't know what happened to him, you know, but he wasn't even anywhere around, had nothing to do with my situation. Just the fact that it was found that they were going out and drinking during the live fire exercise. Right. Um, and my soldiers, because I had a squad, they were the ones that were like, look, that's not right that they're doing that. They made us late for our appointment. You know, we ended up having to just really scramble there at the end. And um, so when my, yeah, my soldiers reported it. So then I'm like, okay, well now something has to be done, right? So they sent that platoon sergeant and the other couple of guys that were going out and drinking. Um, they just basically said, pack your shit, you're leaving now. You don't get to do anything else out here. Um, and left my squad to finish turning in all the ammunition and- they No articles, no NJPs. No cap, like no captain's mask. So weird to there. me. Yeah, it was so weird that nothing happened mm -hmm. with that with that whole drinking incident because that could have, you know, turned into something completely different. Mm -hmm. Especially out there operating forklifts and driving, you know, yeah, um, heavy wheel <laughs> trucks. And having a weapon too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing so, that, Linda. I yeah. know that's hard to talk about. That's yeah. I hate. And that I didn't talk you. about it for a lot of years because mm -hmm. you know I just I. I just, I removed myself from the situation mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just left it at that. Right. Yeah. Well, like you said, we have a big community, right? A lot of us are veterans, especially the ones that are watching this or listening to this. Um, find your tribe, find your tribe, find people that you can talk to, um, find something that will make you feel happy, make you feel better because I still go through episodes. I still have nightmares. I still, you know, I have PTSD. I can't get rid of it. It's there forever. Sometimes I have my highs. Sometimes I have my lows, you know. Yeah. Um, but you need to find people to talk to. Mm -hmm. Or you need to find something, an activity that, that, that makes you feel good. Uh, it's easier said than done. And it is. for a lot of us, after getting out yeah. the military, we don't want to socialize at all. Leave me the fuck alone, right? So it takes a lot. It takes a lot just to put yourself out there. But I promise you, once you do it, you won't regret it. Once you find yeah, your Yeah, I'm still getting it. there. Um, I hit my two years out this past September, September 20. No, so you're September. in Virginia, right? You're in Virginia? I am. Okay. Right outside of Fort Lee. Oh, okay. Um, I was just in Virginia a few months ago. If I would have known you, then I would have invited you out because I do okay. veteran hikes. Well, like I'm in school and I just got out of well, the army and I'm like, I don't know what to do. But well, we do these veteran hikes and it's not under but, BPT and I'm not sponsored, but I'm, I do it with IW and we go all over the nation and do these hikes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. 
but yeah because so, I think it'll be better once I get my job that I want after mm-hmm. school will be a lot better because I'll be around people because I'm really yeah. not around that many people I do use the VA um their recreational therapy um I do that once a week so that's it's um, especially if you just got out it's only been two years like for me it took me a long time to find my purpose of like what I actually enjoyed doing and that right. is being what you still, wanted to be when you grow up <laughs> yeah I still I still don't know what I want to be with when I grow up yeah it was definitely it was definitely like when they first told me that they were going to med board me and I was like oh my god what am I gonna do like because they scare you so much to stay in for 11 years like Mm -hmm. oh my goodness I was so freaked out I'm like yeah wait I can work with children so they kind of like um program you and I don't want to say brainwash they kind of program you to be like military 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 this is your whole entire life military what are you gonna do without the military Right. But then you soon, you soon figure it out when you get out, like, oh, there is life outside the military. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Like, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. Well, my video went out. <laughs> what I wanted to do when I uh, um, got out and I, and I found that my passion is working with veterans. Right. And, you know, I mean, that's not what I do for a job. That's actually what I do as a hobby. Right. So, Which is great. Yeah. Let me change my dang camera. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Mostly with the spouses Mm -hmm. and really interesting. I've gone full circle from active duty to veterans and now the spouses. Mostly it's Mm -hmm. cool to see it from every, every lens. Yeah, that's, I, yeah, that's different. Yeah. I've been on the spouse side also. It's definitely, I love seeing the dependent groups. I don't want to offend anyone about dependa, but there's some shit that goes on. <laughs> like I've had past we were, episodes. You we were both. You we were both, right? We were. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna cut it there because I mean we can keep going, but I do want to have um, you guys on another time, Elena. I wanna I wanna get with you and Elisa. Thanks again for joining us. You're always available when I need you, <laughs> and I love your insight, Linda. Thanks so much, and and thank you guys so much for being part of the VTT community. Um, Again, it's about helping veterans. I know we trash talk, right? But our whole mission is to, you know, save lives, promote businesses, get veteran jobs, you know, get us out there. Well, thank you for the invite. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It it takes a lot of courage. And you guys show a lot of strength and courage today. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. If you haven't checked out our website, it's www.veterantrashtalk.com. You can find our shirts and our shop there and the rest of our podcasts there. There's several podcasts, not, not just this one. Um, and also this is the opening to my season three of throat punch Mondays. Okay. So we're live recording right now, but this is going to air on a Monday (laughs) season three opener. Um, I already have a few episodes, um, recorded and they're, pretty good we talk about fighting and drinking so and strip club so (laughs) um my name's Len um I'm joined with Elena Linda Elisa thanks again everyone for joining us and um I'm gonna go ahead and stop this all right thanks bye